Hey baby, can we check some ID? If you're under 18, feel free to keep listening. But remember, baby pink gin should never be consumed by anybody under the legal drinking age. Remember to always drink wise. What are the real stories behind successful female-run businesses? Not the ones that started with huge social media accounts, high public profiles or tons of cash. The businesses that actually started from scratch. Sit down as we spill the G&T. Hi everyone and welcome to the Spill the G&T podcast. I'm Ellen Weigel, your host, and I'm the founder of Baby Pink Gin. In today's episode, we talk to Julia and Francis, the dynamic duo behind Berry Studio. With Francis being an awesome stylist and Julia being an amazing photographer, these guys create a lot of the content that you see on the Baby Pink Gin Instagram and help dozens of other small businesses create premium quality content within their budgets. We chat all things from what they did at uni to how they left their own jobs and pursued their own career together, why they decided to launch Berry Studio and what it's like working with a business partner and a friend. So hopefully you creatives out there will learn something as I did and be super motivated by the end. So here's Francis and Julia of Berry Studio. Hi guys, how are you? We are so good. So excited to be here. (laughs) Great, thank you. Um, So I just wanted to tell everyone kind of how we know each other. So you guys obviously are the co-founders and owners of Berry Studio and I work with Baby. And um, I guess if people are listening to this on Spotify and look at their phones, they'll see the image of me that you guys styled and took. So they can kind of look at your work straight away. But yeah, you guys have been doing my baby social content and all of my profile shots and everything probably the past year. We've done a few shots here together in the commons and you guys do an amazing job. So did you guys each want to give us a little intro? Well, my name is Julia. Um, I am a photographer. I'm also a producer and a writer. Um, So my background basically I've done a lot of different things, but um, I came from studying journalism, which is really exciting because I just love storytelling and I love like hearing the stories of other people and I guess getting that out into the world. Um, That kind of led me to doing writing and then I kind of fell into a pocket of doing photography, which is always something I really liked and and I'm here now kind of doing both. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. And we'll kind of explore that entire journey throughout the podcast. So, Frances? Hi, I'm Frances. So, I'm the art director, stylist, retoucher and graphic designer. Uh, together, we are Berry Studio. So, we're a boutique creative studio based in Melbourne. And our main goals are to bring brands to life through various creative services, whether that's social media content or a bit of a brand refresh. Um, We really like working with other like-minded Australian and New Zealand businesses. And so just a quick icebreaker that I like to do with every guest after a busy day at work, what is your go-to drink? And you do not have to say baby, just honestly, (laughs) what is your go-to drink? Oh, mine is definitely gin, lime and ginger beer at the moment. It's so nice. It's like a bit tart. It's really refreshing because it's been quite hot recently. Yes. It's, yeah, perfect. Yeah. I was always a whiskey sour kind of gal. Just so delicious. But recently um, we actually did a shoot that we had to make gin sours and I've kind of never looked back since then. Yeah, right. so yummy as well. So So do you make them at home? Yeah, yeah. So we're 
I'd say it's our specialty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, take us through. What's the recipe? <laughs> well, we actually love to use um, a cocktail mix. Um, it's a Mr. Consistent cocktail mix. They make a really oh, beautiful... I was literally on their podcast today. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, they're truly, it's great. Um, they use like the aquafaba, so it's vegan, which is um, friendly for both of us to drink. Yes. Because Francis is an awesome vegan gal. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, it just is super easy. So mixing that with our gin of choice, whatever we're using on the day. Yeah, yum. Um, and we did say that we actually should try it with baby gin very shortly. Yes. So well, baby definitely. goes really well with their Cosmo mix, but I have to try it with the other ones, actually. I guess yeah. um, you could try any spirit with any of the mixes. So yes, we love Mr. C here. So take me back to your uni days. What were you studying? How were you feeling about life in general? And what was the career path plan back then? Yeah, so sort of mentioned a bit before yeah um I definitely didn't expect when I was studying um to be here now running my own business with someone um and but I'm really really happy that I landed where I did yeah um I yeah as I said always had a, a plan in place to tell stories and I think in a way we are doing that it's just instead of it being a focus with writing yeah like definitely visual um and yeah, because each business that we work with, um, whether it's like a small business or a larger business, that they all have their own little story to tell. So I feel like I'm still kind of there. Um, well, yeah. the picture says a thousand words. Exactly. So you're just doing your journalism <laughs> yeah. job really well. Exactly. Just not quite how I expected. But yeah, did that. Um, also studied um, a diploma of photography back in the day. And yeah, cool. um, just interned and worked as much as I could, freelanced, pitched to magazines and to publications. And yeah, that's kind of where... It's led me to now. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, as for me, when I was still at school, I loved art. I was way more into painting and photography, mm. and that was my main thing. But then when I started to have a think about what I actually wanted to do career-wise, is that's when I decided on design. So I have a Bachelor of Design majoring in graphic design and minoring in advertising. Cool. So when I was at uni as well in my final year, I managed to get a bit of work experience. So I worked for a small digital agency for a while and I also worked for a book printing company designing like all of the covers, oh, all cool. of the layouts and everything for people who wanted to self-publish. And I think that's kind of when the whole idea of wanting to work for like the smaller businesses kind of came from for me. And it's really great seeing how like passionate people get, you know, these books were things that they'd worked on for mm. ages that they really wanted to get out there. It was a lot of fun. I mean, the design of the book, and we say don't judge a book by its cover, but we, we all do. I certainly <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah. I always like have all the pretty pink coffee table books, most of which we've used in <laughs> shoes before for baby shoes. But yeah, that, that must be such like um, an important job for them. Like they've put so much hard work into the inside of the book and they just need the outside done. That's really interesting. I didn't know that about you. So how did that help to build your skills in styling for photography where did you build up a lot of those skills Francis? I think it all kind of ties together with having like a visual communications background mm. you know um, actually recently graphic design like the course got rebranded to communications design because I think that is actually essentially what it is mm. you know, you're thinking about what message you're trying to get across to people what you want the image whether that's online or it's a printed poster what you want it to say and what you're trying to communicate and I think that ties in really well with styling 
Um, I've mm. also had a lot of help over the years with like other people that I've worked with, whether that's senior designers, senior art directors, um, photographers that I've worked with that have helped me a lot, you know, with little like ticks, tricks and tips and yeah. stuff like that. How much do these skills come to you guys naturally and how much do you think you've really learned from mentors and other people along the way? I think um, similar to Francis, like having a really keen interest in art from such a young age, I would steal my dad's camera when I was a kid mm. and just like always carrying around with me, taking photos of things. And whenever I used to, you know, go to a party with friends when I was growing up, I would just always be the person with the camera. Um, <laughs> we love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm the backbone of the friendship group capturing it all. I mean, I couldn't say that looking at the, back at those photos, they were particularly great. Um, but, you know, like it's about the memories of it and I guess the feeling and just like the energy yeah, of... Yeah, capturing the vibe. Capturing the vibe. Um, but yeah, also just really, you know, having an interest in like other mediums that sort of surround and they all sort of like come into play with each other, whether it's like watching films, um, going to like the art gallery, things like that, mm. just finding inspiration from those different places and then it becomes this intuitive skill that you kind of learn. You might like decide that there's like a colour that you really want to like you know, use um, in a photo, but you've seen it maybe somewhere in the past mm -hmm. in something you've like seen, or it gives you like a little bit of a connection there. And then I don't know, it just creates yeah. a bit of a, a spark. And then you just kind of build off the skills you have there and, and just learn every time. This is a bit of like a two part question, but when did you decide that you wanted to go out and be your own boss rather than work for these companies and agencies and at what point did you two meet was this something that you guys both wanted to do and then came together and were like oh my god I've been wanting to quit my job too or was it something that you guys knew each other and thought why don't we take the plunge together like just take us through that whole journey of how you guys met up to actually starting Berry Studio. Well, we met uh, working back in 2019, feels like a lifetime ago. Um, Francis was, yeah, lead graphic designer and I was a uh, social media manager at the company we were working at. Um, and I think we just took uh, an opportune time to sort of take the plunge, as you said, mm. and start a business. Um, and like after working um, in-house and Francis working agency side for so many years, it was just something completely different, something we hadn't done before. Um, and yeah, because our roles were quite broad, I think starting a business allowed us to really spotlight the aspects of being creatives that we loved and we wanted to explore further. So you guys were working together at a company and just got to know each other and you guys weren't friends before that. You just fully met each other at this company and then kind of went from there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, our different backgrounds were actually, it was actually a really good thing that we came from very different backgrounds mm. and that we met through work because I think we both had um, very complementary skills that we could bring together to start our business. So how did things initially go for you? Did you have to proactively pitch for work and what was workflow like at that time compared to now? Well I think um, first of all we'd need to start with like our customer base so we decided specifically that we wanted to work with smaller businesses mm -hmm. we saw a bit of a hole in the market where a lot of larger companies and agencies were a little bit out of reach for some of the smaller businesses that um, they knew they wanted to invest in 
maybe higher quality images or like a refresh or they just needed like a little bit of help. But these larger studios obviously have much larger costs. Yes. So we kind of wanted to try and fill in that middle ground where we could be a bit more affordable, mostly because we're working, you mm. know, just us two by ourselves. It's a lot smaller. Um, so then with that in mind, we... Um, have a bit of like a mix of um, ways that we get business in, yeah, um, like reach outs and stuff. Is it mainly people that you guys have known before from previous roles that you've both had or friends or just people referring you? Yeah, definitely we're really fortunate that a lot of our work that came through initially were people that we had worked with in the past and just having, you know, built those contacts and knowing yeah. people creatives always attracting other creatives yeah um and yeah the majority of our work even to this day we're really happy to say you know is just coming in through referral and through word of mouth um but you know to keep a good variety of clients we love reaching out to brands sometimes we just see brands that we think that we could help yeah. do what we do best um for them um otherwise we just can otherwise see brands that have really gorgeous content that we think we can help elevate in further or complement in that way so it's been really awesome to work with smaller brands but then also some really big ones um so it's just keeping things very different and yeah. lots of variety yeah i like that um that you said francis that the goal was actually to work with smaller like startup businesses because at the end of the day like we're all competing for, you know, someone's dollar and the same um, the same customers and, you know, content creation, what you guys do for people makes or breaks. And, yeah, as you said, it used to, if this was five years ago, it really came down to, to budget and, you know, the bigger companies were going to get better content and that was becoming more and more important on socials and stuff. And it's so great that you guys can provide that service to smaller companies with smaller budgets and get just as good a content for, for socials because, I mean, yeah, as we all know, you can have a great product but people need to be able to, to see it um, to then buy it. So, yeah, I really like that you said that. Instead of, you know, trying to pitch for big clients or trying to get the big companies, that's not really your goal. Yeah, we often find too that the small businesses really align with our values um, coming from like a background that we, you know we really appreciate mm. when brands are doing things for good, um, a lot of small businesses have that same ethos, and we find it really important to work with people who are doing the same thing as us. Have you ever experienced any pushback from potential clients? Um, has anyone ever kind of underestimated your skills? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've had to work really hard um, in our field of work, but for a variety of reasons, you know, some of them being due to our age, um, due to the fact we're a female-run business, um, but also because um, sometimes people just don't recognise the value in, you know, paying creatives and trusting them with their skills and their practice. Yes. Um, you know, that's something that we constantly uh, sort of battle and it's a big challenge for us in our business. Um, I think just really showing people the value in investing yes. in good content and the understanding that takes time um, and that takes a lot of communication and it's, you know, it's a, definitely a two-way street. Um, and yeah, I think, as I sort of mentioned, that trust of looking at our portfolio of work and seeing what we do and knowing that that can be applied. 
So that's kind of how you deal with pushback from clients. You basically show them other case studies and try to communicate with them, you know, this is this is our cost and this is why. Although, as you guys said, you do cater to smaller budgets, there's a there's a fine line between knowing your worth as a creative and being able to provide a accessible service. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure you guys have to kind of, as all creatives do, justify their price. And um, do you find that it's difficult to stick to that or as you go on with more and more and more case studies, people kind of respect that a bit more? Yeah, it is d- definitely difficult to balance. Obviously, we want things to be affordable, but yeah, like you say, we also want to cover our time. I think the main thing that works, though, is just being really transparent about everything. Mm. If somebody is concerned about, like, the cost, for example, maybe we'll give them, like, a more detailed breakdown of exactly where the money is going, yes. exactly where the time is going. And then I find people are a lot more understanding about why something might you know, take that long or why it might cost that much. And then, yeah, exactly. Like you said, having um, a larger portfolio, having, you know, our best work in our media kit, which we're constantly updating, I think helps reassure people that, you know, we can do a range of different things and we can help, you know, bring your brand to life. Yeah, the result is going to be good. Like, just yeah. trust us. And, you know, I've certainly experienced that with you guys. Um, I remember we did a shoot, uh, I think it was October last year when we were launching my gift boxes and each of the gift boxes had um, a different theme. Like, we were doing some um, some content for Christmas coming out. We did a girls' night, a date night box. Um, what else do we have? Uh, a birthday one. And, you know, it's not as easy as it sounds like you guys had to go out and get you know Christmas props and birthday props and I guess on that like are you guys finding that the more you do the more props you're gathering and the less you have to do that Um, I'm assuming at the start you're constantly having to go out and buy good things for everything but you must have quite a hefty supply of props now yeah I think we do have like a pretty solid bank but it is always good to refresh things yes you know we don't like using the same thing over and over again Mm. and you know one prop that might work for one brand might not necessarily be the best fit for another so we do like buying or making like specialist sort of props for particular shoots yeah and that is always really fun as well what you guys bring to the table on top of like an, an affordable service is that it's not just a photographer like it's the pair of you who come in with like both of your sets of eyes and so you've got yeah you Julia with your photography skills and then Francis with your styling skills and I think you really need both and I think that's a really big point of difference for you guys in terms of usually it's just a photographer coming in and trying to do both but you can't always focus on both like when you guys are in a shoot you're both working the whole time so obviously you need both of you there to make the magic happen yeah and I think that's really sweet that was a review five stars oh, um. that's so sweet. oh no I do really appreciate that because I do I do kind of agree I think the stylist or art director tends to get forgotten a little bit it's maybe not as you know much of a showy sort of job yeah well I think if people think you know I need content creation I need a photographer and they're just going to take my product and shoot it but 
it's so much more than that, especially with the competitive nature of all the content out there. Like, you you need it to be good <laughs> to yeah. stand out and that, that requires someone like yourself. So on the other side of things, what are some of the projects that you've worked on that you're most proud of and something, the projects that were really fun to work on and where you felt kind of the most appreciated and just had a great time with, apart from baby pink gin shoots? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, firstly, all baby pink gin shoots. <laughs> um, but I think any project where the client has been very genuinely thrilled and pleased with the results. Yeah. They're always the best. It's there's there's no better feeling than that. It's so satisfying to know that um, you've captured what they want and that they're really happy with it. Um, I think for me personally, uh, some of the work that I've been most proud of actually has been some of the stop motion and cinemagraph work mm. that we've been doing. Because I'd done basic animation before and I sort of roughly understood the principles of how you were meant to make it work. Yeah. But it wasn't something that I'd had much time to explore and I found that I really enjoyed it. We got to do a lot of that on a big project that we did for Canon New Zealand and Canon Australia, which was really fun. Cool. Yeah. I also really like um, the custom-made props. We had a project that we did for Melbourne Central where we had... Um, I made these custom plinths for the products that were shaped based off some of the designs and their range of merchandise. Cool. And I think getting to try slightly different things is always really rewarding for me. A question on that. How did you get the custom plinths made without, you know, revealing your IP too much? (laughs) Like, did you literally make them or did you design them and then...? Yeah, well, I designed them and then made them using our special secret way of making them yes, okay. and then painted them and yeah like yeah. a lot of love went into them <laughs> yes yeah. oh that's so nice and that yeah that really brings a, a genuinely custom nature to you guys services as well yeah uh, I think for me um, some of our personal projects have been really rewarding. Mm. Um, They're usually, you know, ideas that are sparked in a conversation um, between Francis and myself. We might be somewhere or it's something that we've just always had a concept and we just build off of it. Mm. Um, And, yeah, it's it's great to be able to just kind of pull that concept out of my brain um, and and sort of put it onto a photo set and then really see in its final form once Frances works all her magic on it. <laughs> yes. um, there's a particular shot in mind that we did just for fun. It was this uh, cinemagraph of a Whitaker's chocolate bar unwrapping. Yep. And the amount of work uh, that went into it was just insane. Um, and, you know, just with everything that we do, whether it is for a client or for a personal project, we just learn so much every mm. time. And it is really important I think if there are any other creatives that are wanting advice I guess on like how to you know further expand on what they're doing is just to really take that time to do your own personal projects it's something that when friends and I were working in-house we had always dreamed like we wish we had more time to just do these ideas that we can just think of that are just inside our little brains like bouncing yeah. around that we need to get out um so yeah the personal projects have been also really rewarding and it's really good to have someone to do with 
Yeah, that's happen. really interesting. I, I didn't realize that you guys did so many personal projects, but it makes sense because obviously if you want to learn, you don't... I mean, you're always going to test little things in client shoots, but um, obviously you want to learn along the way um, without risking the client shoot stuffing up. So I didn't realise you did so much of that. That sounds cool. Yeah, I think th- things for our Instagram, um, sort of touching what Francis said about making sure your Instagram looks really beautiful and mm. that being a really important part of selling your brand. But, you know, we don't we don't always get to do it as much as we'd like because we are very busy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say we'd like to do a lot more. We've got a lot of ideas banked up. There's a lot of documents that... I've randomly flung together and been like, Francis, we should do something with this. <laughs> and um, the ideas have to get real dim. But, yeah, hopefully in the future there'll be more <laughs> Yeah, yeah you don't get paid for those hours. <laughs> no. But it would be very fun. Yeah. So I know you guys are in quite the early stages of figuring everything out with um, business operations. But just for anyone out there who's looking to do something similar to you guys or is just a creative in general, are there any operation systems that you guys use for business that you love? It can be something as simple as zero or something that's more in your industry? Yeah, well, I think for us, especially at the beginning when, you know, budgets are very tight, we've had to invest a lot more into programs like Creative Cloud and Equipment. And Mm -hmm. that has meant that some of the operating systems have been left behind a little bit. So to be completely honest, most of our stuff is done manually or somewhat automated in spreadsheets. I yep. have a lot of spreadsheets yep. set up, um, which was kind of fun as well because I hadn't really done much with spreadsheets mm. and I figured out how to make them mostly automated. You know, <laughs> yes, to it's help. fun when you figure out Excel. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you, and then it helps for stuff like quoting for instance and managing finances as well that's been a really big thing I think for both of us that we've never had to do before Um, but yeah we have a lot of templates a lot of you know templated client documents Mm. and I think that helps a lot they're worth you know putting in a bit of time and setting them up at the beginning and are there any systems that you guys kind of have as a dream I don't know what photographers use, but expensive systems that you guys are kind of working towards being able to invest in. Yeah, I think uh, photography is such a in- expensive investment. Yes. Um, it's, you always have to be upgrading and improving. Um, Photography-wise, um, a dream, I guess, uh, program would be Capture One. It's a really good um, one to shoot when you're sort of like tethering okay. on shoots. So that's basically when you take the photo and it pops up on a screen yes. on your laptop or computer or whatever screen is there on the shoot. Mm. Um, we, yeah, again, we definitely have a way of working our magic and having something similar. But I think just with everything from lighting to equipment to software, there's always Endless possibilities. There's always money to be spent in photography. But um, down to, I guess, uh, day-to-day how we run things like our Instagram and social media, um, we're currently using Later for sort of our scheduling software. Um, I would personally like to see something a little bit less buggy and maybe something a little bit more efficient um, out there. Uh, But for now, we're making it work for us. And, um, yeah, I think... There's lots more that we will definitely invest in. <laughs> Check back with us shortly and then yes. maybe we'll have some more software that we can Yeah, I just love here. Like there's so many apps and software operation systems that you can use and it's um, always different in any industry. So I like to ask the question because I think it's a really valuable tool for listeners to because you just don't hear about these things unless you ask. 
most of the time. I just wanted to pick your brains a little bit about styling trends. Francis, are there any styling trends that you're seeing coming through in terms of styles, textures, pieces, etc., that we should be looking out for or using? I just, I love kind of trend forecasting and hearing what you guys kind of have in store. Yeah, I think um, maximalism is definitely here to stay for a while. Yes. Um, I think bold colours, sort of soft round shapes, everything is going very sculptural at the moment Mm -hmm. and I think that's across tons of different things like interior design to even like typefaces, products and that. I think especially given the current climate of things and especially with the pandemic, I think people are choosing things that maybe make them happy, that are a bit more decorative, sort of moving away from the, like, all white, clean everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of, like, layering of textures, of, like, natural textures Mm. um, is quite popular as well. And um, having things with a more modern form and warmth to them, but with, like, interesting colours. I think it's that, like, pairing of things. Yeah, love that. Um, a good example actually is like the current like Pantone colour of the year. It's quite like nostalgic periwinkle blue, but yeah. it has quite like a modern violet undertone, which mm. makes it feel a lot more like futuristic. And similar question to Julia, are there any photography trends that you're seeing coming through? Yeah, I think um, maximalism, definitely like Francis was saying, but um, I think a really fun photo trend that I'd love to see is that people are sort of returning to an unfiltered approach for content. Yes. Um, Think, you know, like digital camera, bright flash, uploading a bunch of images onto Facebook without giving them any second thought, like back in the day. I feel like it's like, (laughs) it's kind of like more trendy now to just like not care and just like upload it. Like no one can be bothered anymore. Like, you know, yeah, over filtering. I totally agree. Yeah. Similar to the way that there's interesting pairings of colours, which really, you know, you really need to master that to be able to pull it off. Mm. I think there is a lot of effort into making something look effortless. Um, But I do love, you know, seeing when content creators sort of start leaning towards those photo dump style. Yes. Um, You know, when we're moving to platforms like TikTok where things can be a little bit less perfect. Yes. you know, completely edited. Um, And as someone who, you know, feels quite crippled by perfectionism, it's really nice to just, like, take those opportunities to let go. And I think in those creative moments where you are just, like, being unfiltered and being yourself, I think the authenticity of that has been really nice to see. Um, And just also another thing is that I love how people are kind of returning back to film photography. Mm. It's always been something I've really liked to do. Again, just like when I was a kid using old cameras, it was obviously film cameras. Um, So, yeah, I feel like it would be really cool to do a a whole shoot on film one day. I think that would be a lot of fun. Well, I would be totally down for that. Have you guys worked with 35mm cameras yeah yeah it's actually uh one of our clients yes. that we just did a shoot with and they are really really fun i've i've been meaning to get one for a while so i would love to do a shoot like all in like film camera that would be so cool yes. and i love what you were saying about um just kind of the more unfiltered um nature of personal instagrams and tiktoks but also influencers like i totally agree like i think influencer marketing is definitely on the way out and kind of dead and um, people just want something genuine and unfiltered and it's just so transparent when people are trying to sell something or when something's fake and 
um, as you said, like people like us, I think everyone is just like crippled by it. It's just so, it's kind of like starting to be a little bit of like fresh air coming through and just everyone just being a bit more honest and unfiltered. Um, And yeah, I think TikTok has a big role to play in that in terms of just like more, what's the word, just amateur content. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool that um, Francis mentioned that, you know, the sort of minimalism is leaving. And I think the sort of similar, like really highly filtered, curated content is leaving. And it's feeling very reminiscent of, you know, back when we used to use um, websites like Tumblr and have blogs and there's genuine creativity and there's just like genuine expression. And I don't know, I was a real big fan of using Tumblr back in the day. (laughs) Should we plug our Tumblr blogs? Maybe not. (laughs) Like knowing my three different things to code my website, being like, I'm a hacker. (laughs) I am building a website right now. Um, I still think in my mind, like I know how to code and I like haven't done it for like 10 years and it's just like my Tumblr. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with Francis in terms of like COVID kind of having a role to play and people just kind of being like, you know what, I'm, I don't care. I'm just going to do what makes me happy. Pops of colours, just like whatever the fuck I want, I'm going to wear and I'm going to post and I'm just sick of conforming. And I just like love that. It's so Such nice, isn't relief. it? Yeah. It's very freeing. Yeah, it is very freeing. So a little bit of advice for others in terms of anyone wanting to start their own business or who have a very small business. We know that photography can really make or break a social program and website in terms of content creation. What advice do you have for these guys in terms of creating content themselves to stand out? Obviously, you guys would love them to use you, but for those who can't even quite afford to use people like you guys yet and are doing their own thing, what kinds of things can they do to stand out? Yeah, before I feel like you mentioned too, which is really interesting that, you know, you feel this pressure and it is very tempting to try and do everything yourself. Mm. Um, But it's sort of, my advice is just don't put that pressure on yourself and ask people for help. Um, You know, it is, while it is worth it to pay professional, you know, and because they know what they're doing and, you know, you can like access help and things that can help assist elevate and build to the point that you can then get services from like people like photographers and designers you know I think it is really really important to trust uh people that know what they're doing and it's in their fields of work Mm. um but I think also just maybe advice is when you are ready to approach like a designer or a photographer um, strategizing before you approach them, thinking really closely what about what you need, mm-hmm. um, where the photos are going to be used or where the assets going to be used. Like think long term. Um, come to the professional that you're going to with as much info as possible, and I think like making the process a little bit more efficient on both ends will just make it seem a lot less scary and daunting. Mm. Um, a lot of the businesses, like you know, we've worked with we might be the first photographers and designers and people that they've actually had to go through with this business. And, um, you know, it's really fair that they don't understand um, or aren't quite sure, but it's definitely okay to ask and it's definitely okay to just, like, have a conversation. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I think at the end of the day, like, it's just really, really worth it to, like, work and talk to professionals and, um, yeah, even if you're not ready at this very point in time, mm. you know, you can build a plan to get to that point. Yeah, well, I think actually the best thing you can do is 
to really invest in good strategy. And when I say invest, even if that's you sitting down mm-hmm. with like pen and paper and doing it yourself and having like a really hard think about what things are going to be right for your brand and your audience. What do you offer? Who are you talking to and how can you best talk to them? I think quite an easy trap to fall into is just to jump on whatever is trending. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important to kind of take a little step back and think, you know, does this suit my target audience? Is this an appropriate thing to talk to them about? How is this really highlighting and representing my brand? Yeah. Um, I think it um, ends up sort of generating better genuine engagement with your audience and it also helps um, them really trust you as a brand. Yes. And I think it'll also inevitably lead to what kind of things you can do yourself as well if you are on a budget and you can't afford to go to the professionals, whether that is like behind the scenes content, yes. for instance. You or know? just TikTok. Like yeah. even if you can just look after TikTok and in- just make sure you invest in a website and some Instagram mm. content. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. People love to see it. People love to see what's, you know, totally. going on behind that small business. Mm. I think it's, yeah, a really worthwhile investment that you can do yourself. Yeah. No, that's great advice. I think sometimes, like, brands sometimes will approach and think that they need, like, 100 photos. But then what Francis said, if you really sit down and think about where are these exact photos going to be used, like, how can I start small? You might just need some photos, like, for a website banner, a couple product photos, a Mm. couple photos to get you started on social media to run as some ads. Like, it doesn't have to be this giant daunting amount of photos which is going to cost you a lot of money because 100 photos is a lot of photos. Mm. It could end up being 10. We've done some shoots um, just recently that we've done 10 photos for a small business um, but we've done them really, really well and they've been really successful for that brand because they know exactly what they're using those photos for. So, Mm. yeah, please do trust professionals and, yeah, don't think you have to do everything yourself but just be smart with how you go about it and really sit down and think about it. So I'm personally really interested in hearing about um, working with a business partner. So the saying goes, you don't mix business with pleasure. But um, this partnership is obviously working really well for you guys. Do you have any advice for people who might be contemplating going into business with a friend? I know you guys kind of met at work already, so you already had a working relationship. But I think... It is quite risky to go in with with anyone, whether it be a close friend or a work colleague. And obviously it's working for you guys. I'd love to hear a bit about that. Yeah, definitely. I think for us, because we had previously worked together, Mm. it was a very easy transition. We both knew that we liked working together. Mm. We also both knew what the work that we each produced was like and we had a really good healthy respect for that and yeah. each other's working styles and processes as well so we knew we would be a good fit i do definitely think though that just because you like someone and you're friends with them it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to work well together yeah, yeah. i think as much as it hurts you do need to be a bit strategic about it Maybe you do a couple of like fun projects first. To be honest, when we first started out, we had a couple of small jobs that we did while we were still working full time Mm -hmm. that were just like, oh, a little fun side thing to kind of test the waters a little bit. Um, Maybe it would be, if you're thinking about it, maybe it would be worth dipping your toes in first and then 
being really brutally honest with yourself at the beginning, yes. I think could be quite important. So I always like to end a podcast episode with a little bit of manifesting. I don't know how you guys feel about manifesting, but I'm a big believer in it. And I love to at least goal set, even if you want to call it goal setting and not manifesting. So if I was to speak to you guys in a year's time and have you on the podcast again, what would you like to have achieved or done in business? Well, we're, we're so happy with like the trajectory of our business so far. Mm. And I think we just want to continue working with brands that we align with, like we said, and just produce some content that we really love and that the clients love as well. Um, and continue reaping the benefits of our learnings. Um, we learn by doing and every time, like we send off an invoice, we shoot a, you know, a project or we build a quote, we learn something. Um, so yeah, just having a really great time doing what we like. I think the last uh, two years, we've been shooting quite a lot at home by ourselves. Um, so we're really excited yes. to be out shooting on location, working with people um, and yeah, just uh, I guess being outside, <laughs> being mm. out of the house and just yeah, expanding beyond just what we've focused on um, with our food and our product photography because um, Frances coming from such a different background, beauty and, like, all of these things I've, like, worked with, like, shooting people in the past. I just mm. think we'd like to expand and do a bit a bigger portfolio of work. Just to put it out there, are there any kind of dream brands that you would love to work with? I know you work with small businesses, but are there any dream brands that you just go, oh, my God, I wish we could work with them? Um, I think... One would actually be, oh yeah, I don't know if we could call them a small business or not. No, that's okay. Twoobs yep. would be really fantastic. We actually did a little fun project just for our Instagram yeah, one yeah. time with some of their shoes. We both own their yes. shoes. So, um, and that was really fun. I think they're a really fun brand with um, sort of ethics that align with ours as well. Mm. And I reckon they would be pretty cool too. Yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. Um, well, we're really excited because there's actually one of our favourite brands in the whole world have just relaunched. So, Hey Tiger would definitely be a ah, dream. I didn't know that they had relaunched. Yeah. This is good news to me. Um, so, we heard the exciting news the other day. Um, I think it's just because, yeah, we've seen these businesses grow and the people that, you know, in this business are like really incredible, mm. like women, and they do so much and... Yeah, they just work really damn hard, um, not only producing, like, an amazing product, but just genuinely really doing good by the world. And it's not just, like, a superficial sort of concept of sustainability. Like, they're really putting in the hard yards, and I think we really value that. But also their content is just gorgeous, and I think we would do a great job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, guys. This has been so informative and interesting. I really loved talking to you and sharing a G&T, spilling the G&T with you. So thank you so much for coming in, and hopefully we can have you on again soon. Thank you so much, Ellen. (laughs) See ya. This episode of Spill the G&T is brought to you by Baby Pink Gin, Australia's award-winning premium pink gin. We like to keep our baby girls hydrated, so use the code SPILL10 to get 10% off all orders at babypinkgin.com. Find new episodes of the podcast every second Wednesday at midday. Make sure to hit the follow button or subscribe wherever you're listening. And last but not least, stay up to date by following at Spill the GNT Podcast on Instagram or visit at babypinkgin on all social platforms. See you next time, baby. Baby Pink Gin does not condone the act of binge drinking or excessive alcohol consumption.
Baby Pink Gin should never be consumed by anybody under the legal age of drinking. Remember to always drink wise and sip, don't scull. For more information on safe drinking practices, visit drinkwise.com.au.